Welcome to the Over the Teacups podcast. My name's Bella and I'm so happy you're here today. Please join me for a cup of tea or coffee as we talk about the important things of life, the Bible, theology and living a life that honours God. Hi friends, welcome back to Over the Teacups. Um, We're a few episodes in now and I'm just really happy that I have this opportunity to to dig deep into God's Word and to share my message with you and I hope you've been enjoying listening along too. Before we get into our episode, I would just like to share a little bit about the conference that I'll be speaking on later in the year. So it's called Women Living Redeemed. And um, it will be from the 14th to the 18th of September. And I believe that you can now um, purchase your ticket. It's going to be a gathering of all different Christian women. And we're going to be talking about the topic living in light of the gospel. So it's going to be covering all aspects of life, but seeing how the gospel impacts our lives in every aspect so it's going to be amazing Um, I spoke last year and I'm really happy to be back Um, so if you would like to purchase your ticket um, you can go to my website um, go to Instagram and follow the links there but now let's continue on with the next installment of a holy history if you remember last time We looked at Adam and Eve and the promise that God made to them right from the beginning to send Jesus one day. So now we are going to look at Abraham. So if we think about that promise made to Adam and Eve, that one of their descendants would crush the head of the serpent. We had generations that came and went But none of them brought forth this promised seed. None of them was that one who would defeat the power of the enemy. So in Genesis 12, we have a crucial shift that occurs in the way that God relates to his people. So before that, we had a focus on all the nations. Think about the Tower of Babel, that story. Now, but now... The story it really zooms in on one person, Abraham. God's promise of that seed of the woman it now continues, but specifically through Abraham's family line. So we could ask, why did God choose that one man? Why did God choose Abraham? And let me tell you, it had nothing to do with who Abraham was. Now, he wasn't even a follower of God when he was called. He was following the gods of his own nation. But rather, it was all because of God's grace. Abraham simply obeyed in faith when God called him. And he received the promise of the covenant. So I'm going to read to you from Genesis 12. 1 to 3, and this captures the heart of the promise that God made to Abraham. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household 
to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God's covenant to Abraham, which is found in Genesis 12, and also repeats is confirmed in Genesis 15. It has three main parts. First, a promised land. Second, a great nation made up of many descendants. First, a promised land, you know, a physical land that God promised to take him to, that his family would settle in. Second, a great nation made up of many descendants. And thirdly, blessing, blessing for Abraham, but also that Abraham himself would be a blessing, that through him, through his family, all nations would be blessed. These are big, amazing promises. But when we look at Abraham's life, it's clear that there were some major roadblocks to these promises happening. You see, Abraham had no children at all. And he and his wife were old. They were past childbearing years. They didn't even have one kid, let alone a nation of descendants. He was meant to live in this promised land that God would give him. But he didn't know where it was. He had just left his homeland, the land that he'd known his whole life. And he was wandering in a strange place. If these promises were to be fulfilled, they would have to come from God and from his intervention. So let's think a little bit about the concept of covenant. It's not a word that we use very much nowadays, but back in the ancient Near East, in Abraham's context, a covenant was a solemn promise between two parties, each with particular responsibilities. So I guess one of the main examples that we might have today, the closest example might be a marriage covenant. You have husband and wife, each making solemn promises to each other. Back in Abraham's day, there were two main types of covenant. The first was a covenant between equals, say between the kings of two neighbouring countries. They also had what's called the suzerain vassal covenant. And this is a covenant where one party is much higher in status and power than the other. So it's this type of covenant that God made with Abraham. God is so much higher, 
so much more powerful than Abraham, but he still enters into covenant. And we also see this type of covenant a few hundred years later with God and Israel. And sneak peek, we're going to be looking a little bit more about that next time. So in a covenant, there were particular responsibilities for each party, for each side. And there were particular rituals that each party had to perform to confirm the covenant. And we see a little bit of it here in Genesis 15. But here, the covenant was all on God's side. In fact, we see in Genesis 15, verse 12 to 18, you know, Abraham fell into a deep sleep. So while God was confirming the covenant with Abraham, Abraham was asleep. He wasn't doing anything. All Abraham had to do, he didn't have to perform any rituals. He only had to respond to God in faith. So Genesis, as the book progresses, it shows how these promises began to be fulfilled. First of all, God gave Abraham and Sarah a baby, Isaac. And it's through Isaac that the promise to make Abraham the father of a great nation can start to be fulfilled. There's a child now. But when Isaac was born, Abraham already had a son, Ishmael. Now Ishmael was the son of Abraham with his wife's slave woman, Hagar. Now Sarah gave Hagar to him when they couldn't have a baby trying to conceive through her. Now God still loved Ishmael. He cared for him and he protected him. Now he even gave him a blessing of his own and promised that he would also be the father of a great nation. But the covenant promise that was made to Abraham didn't continue through Ishmael, but through Isaac. And we see the covenant in each generation traced through a specific line. It's Isaac rather than Ishmael. It's Jacob rather than Esau. It's Judah rather than any of his brothers. And it's not that God didn't love these other people or didn't have a plan for them. Think about Joseph and the amazing plan that God had for him. It's just that God chose to have this special covenant blessing, which, remember, was always meant to go out to all nations eventually. It was followed through a particular family line. And remember when I said that God calling Abraham had nothing to do with who Abraham was? Well, God carrying the promise through this particular family line had nothing to do with how good these people were. This was a family that was characterized by deception, by fear, by rivalry. And we see this come through again and again in each generation. For example, when Abraham went to Egypt, he lied and he said that Sarah was his sister just to protect himself. 
And we see Isaac doing the exact same thing with his wife, Rebecca. And their son, Jacob, tricked Isaac into giving him the blessing that should have belonged to his brother Esau. There's a lot of trickery, a lot of deception, and it keeps getting passed on through the generations. Each one of these people was a sinner. None of them were actually deserving of God's gracious covenant love. But here, amidst all the mess, amidst all the sin, we see God's character towards his people. God is faithful, even when his chosen people are not. God is faithful to us, even when we are not. Throughout the Old Testament, we see God's promises being fulfilled even further. Abraham's descendants enter the promised land and they settle there. They become the great nation of Israel, their special covenant people of God. And they were called to be a light to the nations, to be set apart and to be shining a light, showing people what a life lived for God looks like and drawing people in to relationship with God so they could also receive the blessing. But Israel fails again and again to be a blessing to all nations. They fail to be God's covenant people. Instead of showing the nations what a life lived for God looks like, they do the opposite. They end up being influenced by the nations, becoming just like those around them, following the false gods of the nations and forsaking God's ways. Eventually, because of their sin, they came under the rule of other kingdoms and they were exiled from their promised land. So at this point, it seems like the promises that God made to Abraham were, were not really going very well. They were out of their promised land. The people were scattered and they were under foreign rule. The fulfillment of the covenant made to Abraham would have to wait for something greater for someone greater. And that brings us to the New Testament. I love this about the Bible, how it all connects together, how we read through the whole story of the Old Testament. And then that just points us towards the New Testament and towards Jesus. So we looked a bit last time at Galatians 3, Verse 16, and we saw how that connected in to the idea of the seed, the seed of Adam and Eve. But really, it's also very much connected to the seed, the one coming from the line of Abraham, who would fulfill all those promises. And it very clearly states here that it's not referring to a whole group of people, it's referring to one particular seed, one particular descendant of Abraham, and that's Jesus. Jesus was descended from Abraham through the line of Judah. So we see this in the genealogy at the beginning of Matthew. We thought a bit about Luke's genealogy in Luke chapter 3, 
which traces Jesus back to all the way back to Adam. But in Matthew, Jesus is traced back to Abraham, linking him into those promises made to Abraham all those years ago. Let's think a bit about how Jesus fulfills those promises made to Abraham. So the first one was a new land, a promised land. Through Jesus, the new land promised to God's people move beyond just a physical location. It's not just about an actual plot of land somewhere in the world. It's about the inheritance of eternal life in heaven. It's about living in God's presence forever. Now Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about Abraham now having faith for this promise of a physical land. And God did promise him that and give him that. But also verse 15 and 16, it goes on and it talks about the people longing for a better country, for a heavenly country. And it talks about God preparing a heavenly city for his people. So the promised land that we have to look forward to as believers, it's not physical. It's even better than that. Through Jesus, we have the inheritance of heaven, of new heavens and new earth in God's presence forever. Second, the promise of a great nation. Abraham was the father of the Israelites and indeed they were a great nation. But Jesus takes it even further. When we have faith in Jesus, we become united to him. We become part of God's people, God's family, whether we are Jews or Gentiles. So belonging to God's chosen people is no longer a matter of just being born into the right family, being born into the right culture. It's a matter of having faith in Jesus, our Saviour. And third, you know, it continues directly on from that, being a blessing to all nations. Think about the blessings that Jesus gives us. We have eternal life with God in heaven. We've, we thought a bit about that. We have forgiveness of our sins and restored relationship with God. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. All these things are for anyone who has faith in Jesus, no matter what cultural background we come from. Through Jesus, every spiritual blessing is opened up to people of all nations. In fact, Revelation chapter 5 verse 9 speaks about people of every nation and every language coming to worship God before his throne in heaven. Jesus perfectly fulfills all the covenant promises made to Abraham. He is from the promised line of Abraham. He is that promised seed. He leads people into the promised land of heaven. 
and he offers his salvation to people of all nations. If we are believers in Jesus, we also receive the complete fulfillment of the covenant to Abraham. And that's more descendants and more blessing than I'm sure Abraham could ever have hoped for. Thank you for listening along as we explored Abraham and the promises made to him and how Jesus fulfills them. Next time, we're going to continue our journey through the Old Testament history and we're going to talk about Moses. Moses is a very important character in Old Testament history and we're going to specifically look at the law of Moses, how the sacrificial system worked and how Jesus is our perfect sacrifice once and for all. Before we go, I please invite you, if you appreciate this podcast, please get the word out there by liking, by sharing, by subscribing or leaving a review. And please check out the Women Living Redeemed Conference, um, which is coming up. And I will join you again for tea next time.